I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. friends and welcome back to a brand new episode of the unbreakable you podcast you are in for a treat this week because i have one of my favorite women on the show with me this week she was a client of mine turned one of my best friends now elena gamboa and she's actually been on the podcast before so i will have our first episode that we did together linked up in the show notes for you but she was on not too long ago so you'll probably be familiar with her to share about her experience while working with me inside back home to you So at the beginning of this year, so almost a year ago, it's so crazy, but almost a year ago, Elena and I started to work together inside Back Home to You. And we were actually working together while she was going through the Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program at the NTA, so the Nutritional Therapy Association. And I just thought it was absolutely incredible that... She wanted to do the deep inner healing work that I offer to my clients as she was going through the NTA, and she just wanted to be completely free of her eating disorders, disordered eating behaviors, and all of those lingering bits of eating disorders and disordered eating that so many of us have left after going through recovery. A lot of the times we can be fairly recovered, but we still have these bits, like I like to call them, that are lingering and preventing us from actually being fully and truly recovered. So I am just so proud of her for diving into Back Home to You with me this past year, so earlier this year, back in February or so. And she did a phenomenal job. And like I said, I have that episode linked up for you in the show notes. But over the course of this past year, she actually has graduated from the NTA. So she is a nutritional therapy practitioner now. And I know that she is fully recovered and thriving. And I love her approach with food, her relationship with food. She's very intuitive with food and also has found this balance of taking care of herself through these specific food practices out of a place of love. And I've really witnessed her do this and it's been just so incredible. So I wanted to have her on the show this week to talk all about finding that really unique, feel-good, loving balance between intuitive eating and functional nutrition. So you are absolutely going to love this episode. We talk 
about body image and generational trauma and human design, nutrition, of course, and so many other things. So don't forget to take a screenshot of you listening to this episode, post it to social media, and you can tag both of us over on Instagram. You can find me at I am Meg Dahl and Elena is Elena Lee Gamboa. So you can tag both of us and let us know that you're listening to the show and we can connect over there. I will be back with another episode next week and thanks for tuning in friends. Hey Elena, welcome to the show again. You're a second round guest on the show. I know. Two (laughs) times in like one month. Like I'm so lucky. Pinch me, please. We are lucky to have (laughs) you on again. And I'll just give everyone kind of a memory refresh. But the first time you joined us on the show, we were talking about your experience in Back Home to You. And we just had such an amazing conversation and I wanted to have you back on the show because I just truly fall in love with my clients and you and I formed this very special relationship over the three months we worked together and kind of like instantly when we met actually. But, um, you know, while we were working together, you actually graduated from the NTA and became a practitioner and I wanted to have you on the show again to kind of talk about what led you to studying nutrition and how you're helping women now because you're so amazing at it oh well thank you so much it's truly like such an honor to be back and talking about this I know that um I think as as someone who's recovered from you know eating disorders more than one. Um, there's always been a love hate relationship with food for me, (laughs) but I feel like I didn't know a lot about food. I grew up eating whatever I wanted in the age of like TV dinners and fruit by the foots and like gushers and all of like the, the bad things, the, the hyper palatable foods that, that we grew up on in the nineties. Um, and then I was a dancer. So I, basically like ate whatever I want, but I was dancing six days a week. And I became aware of my weight for or pretty much like the first time when I was 12 or 13, I was injured. And so I was eating the way I always ate. And then I, because I wasn't moving my body as much and I was going through puberty at the time, I gained a bunch of weight and, you know, that's pretty normal for girls going through puberty, but it was brought to my attention around that time. And it was kind of painful. And I, I didn't really understand food at that point. I felt like it was really confusing to me. And so through high school, I did a lot of crash dieting and over-exercising and food kind of became enemy number one. Um, and I joined Weight Watchers when I was like 17 and didn't really have much weight to lose at at that time. And my relationship with my body was just really struggling. Um, so I decided enrolling in college, you know what, like, why don't I learn about what I am afraid of? Because the more I learn, you know, the less fear there can be, the, the, the more knowledge there is, right? So, and I I think that's pretty common, you know, 
there's a lot of registered dietitians, practitioners that have struggled with eating disorders before. Um, so I know that there's a correlation there, but I decided to study nutritional sciences in college and was en route to be a dietitian. Um, but getting into my sophomore year classes, I kind of realized that I didn't fully trust the, the education. Um, looking at my textbooks, I would see the food pyramid and things signed off by the FDA and big pharma, big food, and knowing who's paying the people to write the books. And so I became pretty weary and knowing what registered dietitians have to go through in the US, I don't know if it's similar in Canada, but the schooling is super rigorous. And then your options for work afterwards aren't great. The pay isn't great if you wanna work in a clinical setting. Otherwise you kind of do your own thing and you don't really use a bunch of that nitty gritty sciencey stuff in your practice every day. So I figured that, you know what, like I can research nutrition on my own. I'm still passionate about it. I'm, I will forever be a student of nutrition, but like, I don't need to pay thousands of dollars and go through school to learn information that I don't trust. Um, so I switched paths, but always, you know, had nutrition in the back burner and was learning on my own. And I say learning is in like trying different diets, <laughs> trying to figure out what was working for me. Um, but I learned about the NTA in my early twenties. I had a friend go through the program. Um, and so it kind of had always been like in, in the background and I knew it was there and I had done a lot of research on the association itself and, you know, where they get their information and what NTPs do. And I knew that they were really aligned with what I believed as well, but I was still working my corporate job. And um, I think it's just scary to kind of take that leap into an entirely different profession. Um, and I, at this point, you know, I was in my late twenties. So 2020 hit, right? The <laughs> pandemic hit and oh, I did was, it hit. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was kind of faced with my two biggest passions, but also my two biggest struggles, which are food and movement. So in the first, you know, few months of the pandemic, I was, I was a, I, I teach Pilates and bar. And so I was a, a fitness instructor as I, I moved my body a lot. And then all of a sudden my routine was completely gone. So I, in the early days of the pandemic, I started exercising literally all day, like all day, every day. But like, I also had so much time to cook. So I was like making all these treats and all of these delicious, like comforting meals. Cause everything felt so uncomfortable that I was just like, holy crap. Like I really need to go inward and like figure this out because like, I cannot exercise all day long and then like eat all day long at the same time. Like, what am I doing? I was really confronted with, with that, just like the disordered behaviors again. And I knew that I had recovered past that. And then I got furloughed from my desk job. And during furlough, I really took the time to say like, what do I want to do? Like if this nine to five job doesn't pan out, if they don't ask me to come back, like, what do I want to do? Like, I love nutrition and I love movement and I want to help people through the struggles that I've gone through because it's really uncomfortable. And I just, I wish that I had guidance in my earlier twenties so that 
my twenties weren't such a freaking yo-yo roller coaster of disordered habits and restriction and over-exercising. So I enrolled in the NTA program in summer of 2020 and started in September. And then I think I met you and was it March? I was it going was like I, early 2021 because it was yeah. all around the time of me purchasing my pan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was like in January. So I think yeah, okay. it was like very early 2021. Early, yeah, February or something. So we met when I was in the program. So I decided to enroll in the program. I got I did end up getting called back from furlough. So I had a pretty crazy 2021. Also, I was going through the NTA program. I just moved to Dallas. I was still working my job from home. Um, and then I also moving to Dallas picked up a different fitness instructor gig here. So I was going through training for that. And then I was like, you know what? I need to heal also. Like I'm really freaking busy, but like, let's heal. Why don't we? So that's when I signed up with you. And I think you also showed me just so much compassion and I learned so much from you. You introduced me to human design, which is a huge, huge passion of mine now. Um, and so it was just such a special time to be like going through the nutrition program, like wrapping up my recovery, like coming full circle, graduating. And then now I'm, I did it. I launched my, my practice this, I think early in, in September and it's, it's been slow going, but I mean, my hope was to gain clients mostly like through referrals and word of mouth and just, you know, start slow and have organic growth and, you know, I was sharing a lot on Instagram about nutrition early on in my, in my schooling with the NTA and then kind of tapered off and, you know, refinding that focus and like creating content that isn't personal is like kind of a challenge. And so I got a little burnt out and then I built my website, um, and built out my, my services and I've already revamped them. It's kind of this continuous evolution, but I've signed on a few new clients this week. I'm starting to have discovery calls every week. Um, and it's just really, really exciting because I'm starting to attract clients that I know that I can help. And every time someone reaches out to me or has a question or whatever it is, I just feel so grateful that they are even reaching out to me, that they are even trusting me enough to like have a conversation about it because when you are in the thick of disordered eating or a healing journey or trying to feel better in your own skin because all you've done is diet and over exercise for so long like that's a really hard place to be and healing seems really out of reach and talking to people about it is really uncomfortable because you don't want to face it most of the time you want to you want to say like no I'm good or no like healing sounds hard. Like I've tried so many times and I've failed, like why try again? And so I know the bravery it takes to, to reach out and ask for help. And so it's truly just such a gift to be able to work with my, my clients up until this point And those that are continuing to reach out to me, it's just, it's really, it's a really special place to, to help people with. And I know that it's kind of a slippery slope like with functional nutrition and some of the rigidity of it and the 
the food rules with, you know, seed oils and sugar and all of these things. But I really try to bring a more intuitive approach to it. And I want my clients to have food freedom and I want my clients to choose the foods that feel good for their body, but also like sometimes feel good for the soul. Like I will be completely honest. I have eaten candy corn every single day for the last week because I love it so much. And like, I have freedom to do it. So I'm not binging on it. I'm having like a few pieces a day and they are amazing. But like, I would never say like, no, don't eat that candy corn. Cause for me, it's nostalgia. It's my childhood. It's that once a year that it comes out and the leaves are changing. It's so much more than just like, honestly, it's probably high fructose corn syrup, but <laughs> let's be real. But I really, I want my clients to like, be able to trust in their bodies and to know when it's better for them to make a healthier choice versus like indulging on something that like truly feeds their soul and like is good for them. So I'm really trying to bridge that gap between intuitive eating and functional nutrition. And I think that once we kind of can confront those food fears and can heal from our disordered eating, that there's a really, really powerful step towards actually feeling good in your skin, actually being in tune with your body and knowing what it wants. And that's what I want to help clients achieve. And I want to help them, you know, there's so much that I can help with. And this is why I love the NTA. It's not just about food in, food out, or whatever it is. It's about blood sugar regulation. It's about hydration. It's about mineral balance. It's about sleep, stress, movement, all of these things that build the foundations of health. And food is a part of that, yes, but it's incredible to work with clients and like just notice like the timing of like when they're drinking their water. Like one of my first clients, the only time she was drinking water was with her meals. And she was chugging it throughout her entire meal. And then she had a really terrible, like bloating indigestion and simply just telling her to drink water, like away from her meals, first thing in the morning, only sip water with your meals, like small habits like that, that people don't realize like can make us such an impactful, like change in their digestion. Like those things are amazing. So I just want, I want clients to know that this isn't a diet. This isn't all about food. This is about alignment with everything. This is about feeling better in your body in all ways, not just clean eating. Yeah. So my mind is just buzzing with things I want to say because I feel like there's so many aspects of what you just shared with us where like I just want to touch on so many pieces but I want to first say and be clear that like that is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show you know because I see that you are fully recovered and that you do have this really true sense of food freedom like I I know that firsthand because you and I worked so closely together and we're very close friends now so I know these things about you and you know I do have um nutritionists and dietitians and things on the show but you know this is not a let's talk about food and nutrition type of podcast but um I really wanted to have you on because you are one of those practitioners that I know is 
very intuitive and free with food. So, you know, if someone is specifically looking for a practitioner to work with, with in that realm, um, absolutely. Like, you know, you're hands down my go-to girl. And while you were describing, you know, going through recovery, coming full circle and now helping people with their food and, and like nutritionally, like healing their bodies and stuff. I'm like, dang, we need to like collab on something and create something where we can kind of bring that full circle together for so many women. I think that would be so amazing. But um, I'm actually going to take us so far back to kind of where <laughs> you first started, Elena, because what you said, I was like, dang, I don't think we've really talked about this on the show before. And this is something that happened to both of us. We were dancers. You and I were both born in 91. So like grew up eating pretty much all the same things. And I was probably eating a little bit more weird things because my dad was like, <laughs> you know, very adventurous with food. Some cranes. Yeah, crane. I was like eating sushi at like four years old. So um all just like, you know, yeah, interesting foods. But um the dancing piece, right? Like we we're both dancers and we both went through this period of time where our bodies were changing and it was like set off some alarms for us. And that's when we started to have issues with food and our body image. And I think there's such a missing piece for young girls. Like we're not prepared to know that like our bodies are actually supposed to change, you know? And I just couldn't help but think when you were talking about that, you and I sitting here right now literally had like a very similar experience. We're not the only ones. So like what can be done to prepare young girls for those changing bodies so they're they don't freak out and think that there's something wrong with them you know yeah and I think that this is one of those things that we talk about and back home to you like generational healing um I I hope to have kids one day um and I with those kids I will never say anything bad about my body in front of them. I will not model that because that was what was modeled for me. My grandmother was very obsessed with her weight. She was also one of the first people to comment on my weight going through puberty. And then my mom, bless her heart, is is five seven, blonde hair, marathon runner, like perfect body. She's always just been genetically gifted. Um, so growing up, I, I never remember like looking at my mom and being like, wow, I'm bigger than her. But I remember looking at my mom and being like, wow, she is so fit. Like, I know that like whatever she's doing must be right. But, you know, as an adult talking with my mom, like she told me that she went through puberty, much like me gained some weight. And, you know, in the eighties, what did people do. They took diet pills and starved themselves. And I asked my mom, well, like, mom, what did you do in high school? She was like, oh, well, I only ate um, cheese and apples. And like, that was it. And I'm, I'm like standing here, like, wait, what? And then she was a marathon runner with my dad. And so I know she was running miles every week, like up until she was six months pregnant with me. And I don't think I ever really looked at her as having like a disorder or a problem, but I definitely grew up 
in an area and in a family that very much valued looks and physical presentation and being very active. Um, my brother was a college athlete. My little sister was a college athlete. So I come, both my parents were marathon runners. My dad did triathlons. So I think that being active was very important, but I had the, the female role models in my life were all hyper aware of their weight. And so my mom never really made comments about my body until I started noticing my body. So my teen years, um, she would make comments like, oh, you look like you've lost weight or, oh, you look so good. And, you know, they don't know. And it's not, I'm not upset with my mom for doing this. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And she didn't know that what she was saying was harmful. And we've come to a place now where I have communicated that boundary. And I say, mom, like, if you notice my weight has changed, like, you don't have to comment on it. Like my weight is going to change. Like, I don't want to associate being smaller with it being a positive change. Mm -hmm. So any type of change being like negative or positive, like it just doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And so that boundary has been communicated. And I mean, even totally to be totally transparent, my partner and I, it's a challenge. We, I, I'm dating a woman and we obviously have bad body image days. And, you know, she grew up in a family where image is really, really important. And her mom, you know, does Weight Watchers. And obviously those comments aren't coming from a harmful place intentionally, but those comments do damage. And so we're really, really careful about like the wording that we use and how we speak about our bodies to each other. Because when you're dating a woman, it's really easy to be like, oh, I feel fat today or, you know, like not feel good in your skin or we share clothes and we're like noticing something's getting tighter. And we're like, Oh, we really, we really have to be mindful because if we ever have a daughter, like that's two moms, you know, like we need to start. If you, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Oh no. I was just saying like, it, it starts with our generation, like these changes, like it starts, it starts with us and us loving our bodies and accepting our bodies and trusting our bodies so that that can be modeled for our children or our nieces and nephews or the kids that we nanny for babysit or whatever that is, the younger generation is already, already has the odds stacked up against them with social media and Facetune and Photoshop and all of that. So we need to really make sure that we are the models for them to show them what true self-love is and not give them any excuse to say, well, you say that, why can't I? Right. And I just want to point out, like you keep saying, like model these behaviors. Right. And that doesn't even necessarily mean speaking negatively about your body. Like it can be just this sense or this presence that this person has that they don't have a good relationship with their body. Like you said, it wasn't until you started commenting on your body that your mom started kind of like chiming in and making her own comments. But modeling doesn't necessarily mean that there's like words being said. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to point that out. And even like the generational healing and trauma, it comes with like the thoughts and the beliefs from past generations. It doesn't mean that like your grandma or your mom or your great grandma were actually saying things to you right? It was Mm -hmm. 
their thoughts, their beliefs, their feelings being passed down and we can absolutely break that chain and I've already like witnessed you being able to do that for yourself and I have no doubt in my mind that if you do have a daughter that she will have incredible models for her and her body image so yeah so basically what you're saying when we're going through puberty dealing with all that change it really starts at home Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there was also a lot of trauma in my life, like going on in my teen teen years. And I think those are just super transformative years in terms of your body changing and becoming a woman and all of these things. And so, you know, I developed bulimia after my dad passed away. So, you know, I'm sure that there, there's a lot that can lead to eating disorders. There's a lot that can lead to like that sense of needing that sense of control. If like the only controllable in your life is food or your body, like whatever that, that needs to be. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's also just resiliency in general and communicating feelings. And I swear, I I was thinking about, I was like, I'm going to I was so thankful when back you told me back home to you was like a resource I could keep forever because those are some of the things that I'm going to communicate to my kids too. I'm going to teach my kids that like, you are not your thoughts. Like you are separate from your thoughts. You are the experiencer of your emotions, like that sort of like gentle parenting and, and communication. And, you know, I'm, I'd love to learn my children's human design and help them like live in alignment from the beginning. Like there's so, so many amazing. things I want to do with my kids that I think can help, you know, hope, obviously there's uncontrollables in life, but I think, you know, having a sense of purpose and energetic alignment from a young age and being modeled, you know, what good body image and food a relationship with food is like, they have a fighting chance that way, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I wish all parents knew their child's human design type. Like I hear so many, like there's not that many manifestors out there, but from the ones that I've been talking to and connected with, if they grow up with like two generator parents, it seems like they have a really like tough time growing up because they're not recognized as like this manifester right if their parents have like aren't human design aware and I always think like gosh like my dad was is a manifester and I'm just like what I think that made such a huge difference for me Mm -hmm. um so I just I am always so happy when parents know their children's human design type because you really can like parent catered to that it's amazing Oh, totally. Well, even learning, I learned my mom's and my mom is a projector, but she totally lives like a generator. And so it's kind of something that I'm, I'm teaching her about it slowly. It's like, it's kind of hard to tell someone like, Hey, you've been living out of alignment for 58 years. You need to chill out and take a nap. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I just think in general, human design is just such an amazing tool. It's made such a difference in, in my partner and my relationship and I think everybody should know their human design and, and get more in touch with that because since you exposed me to it and back home to you, it's just made a tremendous, a tremendous difference in my life. 
Right on. Yeah. And now you're studying it. So I love yes. that. But yep. I do want to make sure that we talk about the food freedom piece. I think like both you and I, since we have had eating disorders and then we studied food, I mean, like I related to so much of what you just said, like the studying nutrition in a university or college setting, I went through a whole dietetics program and still felt like I had major issues with food because it was so like calorie focused, right? It was just Mm -hmm. like, I still didn't understand food and I wanted to shift my focus as to like, okay, if I was to look at a whole egg, I don't want to know like the calories and the carbs and the fats and the proteins, right? I want to know like, what is this egg doing for me? Like, why is this so good for my body? Right. And that's Mm -hmm. what really led me to study holistic nutrition. So it sounds like we're kind of the same there, but like you said, there's, there's such a fine line. Like when Mm -hmm. there's those things that, okay, if, you know, we limit these things or eat more of these things, can we talk about that fine line? Like, how do you support your clients in not getting obsessed with like poofas and sugar and, you know, all the things that, you know, we enter this space of being like, okay, I want to start taking care of myself instead of starving myself, right? So you move out of maybe anorexia or bulimia, but then you enter this world of, learning about how these foods are so nutrient dense. And then you start entering this world of orthorexia. And that's a thing that was part of my life for so many years. And I'm just curious how you personally kind of approach that with your clients so they don't get so fixated on those things. Yeah, totally. Well, I think my biggest focus for clients is if I have a client that comes in and weight loss is one of their goal, like that's okay. Like I understand not feeling good in your skin. I understand like knowing that like you feel inflamed. I also, I don't, when I don't own a scale, I haven't owned a scale gosh, since maybe like 2010, but like I, was just on vacation. For example, I was just on vacation. Um, and the two weeks prior I had visitors, um, coming to visit us in Dallas. So we ate out at restaurants. Oh boy. I want to say like five days a week for three weeks straight. And I, I don't think I gained any weight, but my body was inflamed because I normally cook most meals at home. I felt a little more bloated than normal. I didn't feel great but I trusted that like, as soon as I got back into my normal routine and was eating the foods that I know make me feel my best, that the inflammation would go down, the water retention would go down, that I would feel more like myself in my skin and everything would be fine. I think what I know is that bodies change. There is no, whatever, whether you've gained weight or you've lost weight, whatever that is, like you can get back there again, or you might get back there again, or whatever it is, it's fluid, but it's about how you feel. It's about how certain foods make you feel. So if weight loss is a goal, that's fine, but it's never going to be the primary goal for anyone I work with. I want to ask my clients, like, 
how do you want to feel? How do you want, what, what are your symptoms? Like what, what is ailing you? What is holding you back from feeling your best? Because let's tackle that first. And when you are taking it from more of a functional approach and finding the dysfunction in the body, correcting that dysfunction with either therapeutic nutrients, or again, like it might just be like drinking water farther away from your meals. When you get the body back into an optimal state of function, it can heal. It can do its thing. And sometimes weight loss is a side effect of that. And if that's what you're wanting, then great. But I have found I what I believe is my set point weight. And this is where I feel my best. And I've been skinnier in my life before. And I felt terrible. <laughs> so I want to make sure that my clients are able to prioritize how they want to feel over how they want to look. And that's where nutritious foods come in. That's where healthy sleep habits come in. That's where, you know, chewing your food comes in all of these things that like, yes, are food related, but it's focusing on how you want to feel, not how you want to look and trusting your body that like whatever weight you're at, when you're living your best and healthiest, happiest life is the weight that you should be at. And sometimes that's not like you five years ago. Sometimes like, I mean, even now, like I'm smaller than I was in 2012 now, but like bodies change. And so feeling good in your body is the best thing. And it's finding clothes that fit you, not clothes that you fit in. And there's so many other tools that go along with it. But I think for me, the biggest line or that, that fine line is how does this food make me feel? And I think, you know, I was listening to a podcast episode about like the two things it was Aaron's podcast. Um, like two things that you can do for your health, like the most right now is cut out industrial seed oils or canola oil and cut out all the refined sugar, which is laden in processed foods. It's everywhere. And so I think for me, like that's, that's where I want to be the most careful with my clients is like, I don't want to demonize these foods because some of them are delicious, you know, and trusting your body and knowing that like you're feeding yourself nutritious foods the majority of the time and that your body can handle it. Like it's all good. I don't want my clients to ever feel bad for eating something that has canola oil in it. But if they look in their pantry and everything in their pantry has canola oil in it, that's when it becomes detrimental to your health. And that's probably not when you're feeling your best. So how can we get you feeling better? You know, maybe being an ingredient detective, noticing, oh, hey, like all the foods in my pantry from Trader Joe's are filled with canola oil. Maybe I can find better alternatives to feel better, not necessarily to restrict. There's so many amazing things that you can add into your diet rather than thinking of all of the things that you like can't have. Let's like- Or never have, right? Right. It's not like- when you're throwing out these recommendations or whatever they are, you're not creating this never list for your clients. And mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And that's part of giant, that fine line, right? It's part of it, making sure that we're not creating this never list. And I think when our clients do have histories of eating disorders and disordered eating, like that is a tricky thing to do as well because mm -hmm. as intentional as we are as 
to not create those lists, they can still happen. So, you know, going back to the modeling piece, it's you also modeling that, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm eating candy corn all week, guys. Or Mm -hmm. I went out to restaurants every night this week, right? And Mm -hmm. modeling those behaviors rather than supporting your recommendations with like disordered behaviors too. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like, again, talking about this like gray zone of having these kind of ideas, but like not being so black and white about things, right? I just want to ask you about one thing is that you use that example of going out to restaurants like every night that one week when you had guests down and you notice that like hey like I'm not feeling my best like I'm kind of inflamed like I'm just not functioning my best maybe you had some digestive issues or whatever it was right and then you go back home and it's not like you're going back to some rigid program you're not going back home and I'm saying this because I know this is not what you do and I just want to make it clear for everyone like it wasn't like you went away you had your little vacation and then you're coming home and you're super strict with yourself you're not going out to restaurants you're making all your meals home cooked da 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 right like I'm sure you girls have I'm going out to a restaurant tonight. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, no, and totally. I when I say like getting back into my routine, like I mean, I bought all the foods that I normally eat at the grocery store when I'm eating in a normal way, and we always allocate like one to two. We usually do like a takeout meal a a week, and then we usually do like one to two dinners out or like one to two meals out. Besides that, Um, I love eating out at restaurants. I. I mean, I'm aware now of like, they don't always use the best ingredients and certain things are out of my control, but I'm also grateful to be living in a body that like, I don't have insane digestive reactions. If I eat gluten or if I eat dairy, or if I, you know, consume canola oil, like I'm fine. My body is fine. My body knows what to do with it. And so getting back to my routine, I actually, it's funny you say this because coming back, I was like, I had that thought in my brain and I was like, well, maybe I won't do sourdough toast this week. And then I was like, screw that. Like (laughs) I'm doing sourdough toast this week because that's my favorite. And that's what I eat on the regular basis. And so like those thought that thought did cross my mind, like, oh, maybe this would help. But then I was like, nope. I'm not giving up my avocado toast with pickled onions this week. I'm just not. You saw you know? the thought. This is yep. what she learned and back home to you, everyone. But like she saw the thought and like that's the big thing, everyone. Like we have these thoughts, but it's like, are we going to pursue them? Are we going to latch on to them and let them like whisk us away and like follow them down that journey again? Or are we going to just be like, oh, wow, like that was like a thought and I'm not gonna do that because no no, like it doesn't make (laughs) sense right so I'm so happy I brought that up because I think that's a huge thing for so many women it's like okay they do go out and like enjoy their vacation but then as soon as they come home it's like a crash diet yeah like gym every day like super strict with their meals and I wanted to point out that like I know that's not what you're doing nor is it how I navigate things on my end either nope we got we flew home 
And the first thing we did was go to a Tex-Mex restaurant and order fajitas and margaritas. So we didn't even come home and eat a meal that night. Like we were like, let's do one more meal out just for fun. And then like tomorrow we can go to the grocery store and I can be in control of what I'm cooking for a few days. And then here we are. Like it was, and I'm glad you touched on the exercise piece too, because old me would have like booked out seven (laughs) days a week workouts. Yeah. Um, coming back. And I definitely did not do that. I had been sick a couple weeks prior. And so I gave my body a lot of rest. I mean, I teach fitness. So the, the two classes I teach are a workout. And I usually like the worst is when it falls on like day one of my cycle. And I'm like, dang it. Like I really don't want to go work out right now. But for the most part, like I maybe only I, the two classes I teach and then maybe one or two other days a week, I might move my body and a fit, like a, a structured in an intentional way. Yeah. Yeah. Other like you than that, dog, I, you take her for yeah. walks, that sort of thing, exactly. but intentional exercise. Yeah. Yep. I work out less now than I like ever have in my life since I was 16. Well, honestly, before that, because I was dancing like six days a week up until I was 14. So I mean, I'm, and I'm eating more than I ever have. And mm-hmm. I, That's my hormones big, are regu- regulated. That like, just yep. because we're not working out as much that we're actually eating more. Yep. Yes. I yes. know. I, I haven't ever done like a full, just because I counted calories for so long that I don't even want to do it for like an educational, like, I don't even want to count my calories. Cause like I know it's well over 2000, but I just like, don't want to do it. I did it for so long, but I like, I know that I eat a lot. There was one time Macy and I lived with this guy who (laughs) he was a character, but he, I I think he was, you know, I think he had some disordered eating of his own and he made a comment like, wow, you guys eat a lot. And I was like, hell yeah, we do. Like, (laughs) I feel like I love to eat. I know you and I have both watched Gilmore Girls, right? I and haven't. Macy wait, has. Oh. Whoa. Macy is like Crazy. a Gilmore Girls stand, but I've never seen Elena, it. how come I no. thought you and I have like gossiped about Gilmore Girls before? Anyways, no. I am watching it. <laughs> and that is one thing I love about the show. So the two main characters, Lorelai and Rory, they eat so much food and it's kind of like this you know underlying part like the story of their character right like they're known to like pack away a lot of food and I just love that I love Uh that so much oh yeah yeah. and I I love I love 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 to eat and it's like it's so funny even now like learning more about human design how generators make a lot of sounds like Macy gets mad at me all the time because like when I eat I'm like "Mm." Oh, I like smack my food because I like love it so much. I like dance when I'm eating, but yeah, I I eat with joy. Eating with joy is underrated. And that's again, another thing that I hope to, I hope my clients can find joy in food again, because it's, I spent so long being at war with it and being at war with my body that it's really eating food is like, we all have to do it. Right. Like every single one of us need to eat food to sustain our life and why not find joy in it yeah several times Honestly, a day you said you hope your you can help your clients find joy with food and i know you are going to support them in finding joy with food because again you 
have that in your own life. So you are naturally modeling that to your clients. So I'm so excited for more, you know, clients to be connected with you and be supported on their journeys with you. And I could keep chatting with you, but I know we've been (laughs) chatting for a while. So I don't believe I asked you this on the last show. So I will ask you now, did I ask you what it means to you to be unbreakable? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I really do those on like when we're doing like client shows. (laughs) So tell me, what does it mean to you? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel so on the spot. I I didn't prepare for this one, Meg. This is the one Um, question I could have told you about. (laughs) (laughs) I could have marinated on it a little bit. No, I think. And this is something that you taught me and back home to you is the ability to pause having the ability in any moment to pause instead of react and just like observe and notice what you're feeling. And maybe you're noticing a thought me, like, like I mentioned, like, like I wasn't going to have my sourdough toast when I came back from vacation. Like I paused and I was like, wait, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. I think I am a very reactive person and not always in a great way. And so I think being unbreakable is, is that ability to pause and then shift your mindset or shift your perspective and react in a way that is kind and loving and compassionate to whoever you're with, whether it's you or whether it's your partner or your friend or whatever it is, um, the ability to be unshaken and separate yourself from your thoughts and your feelings and, and move, you know, more gracefully into the next moment. One of my favorite descriptions of what unbreakable means, I think, because yeah, absolutely. And it's unique too. I don't think anyone has really shared a response like that before. So thank you, sweetheart. And where can everyone find you and connect with you and learn more from you? Yeah. So this is where everybody is going to have to get out their pens because my name is really hard to pronounce and <laughs> well, spell and all linked in the show. Notes. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not phonetic y'all. All right. Yeah. So, um, everything is my full name. So my website is elenaleegamboa.com. And then my Instagram is at elenaleegamboa. Um, yeah. And that's me. Thank you so How much for I having never me. Noticed there. there was a Lee in your Instagram handle. Yeah, How did I never notice that? <laughs> I don't know. That's my middle name, L-E-E. Well, I know that. But like, <laughs> I did not know it was part of your Instagram handle. So It's weird. mostly vowels. So it probably yeah. just got, got mixed up in there. There's just yeah. my whole name is vowels with a couple like When you were saying this, I was like, <laughs> I did not know this. So bizarre. But now you will have the correct links in the show notes. So perfect. There we go. There we go. Awesome. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I love you. I love you back. Thanks, Meg. 